Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by From Within Records. I can't stop listening to the One Scene Unity comp. I'm still having trouble deciding on which track is my favorite. Week one, I had what I thought was my favorite track, but now I'm just here and I just can't decide. There's so many good tracks, so many awesome bands, vinyls coming very soon. We're just waiting on the word. I think they're just waiting for the test press to get back to make sure everything is good. And there's some other stuff in the works. So please keep a lookout for that. Make sure to go follow From Within Records on Instagram and Twitter. Head over to Bandcamp, Spotify, Apple Music, and stream the comp. Support From Within Records. Support every band on the comp. It's all amazing. On today's episode, we travel all the way to Berlin, Germany to talk to a band originally from from the bay i love northern california hardcore so i had to track down carl schwartz the singer of first blood this was such a treat for me to be able to sit down and talk to carl i've been a huge fan of first blood for a long time i talk about that tour that i went on all the time it's like one of my favorite memories of being in hardcore just being a young kid and being able to take off from work and school and just spend a week on the road with friends and just seeing awesome bands in some great cities. So Carl was just very cool and down to talk to me about the band, which was awesome. We kind of covered from the start to the end and it's pretty interesting. So if you're a fan of first blood or if you're like my buddy who I mentioned on the podcast, who uh, didn't know that first blood has come out with two full lengths since California hit pause, head over to Bandcamp, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, and go check out the other records. First Blood has uh, been doing it since the early 2000s, and they're still continuing to put out great music. So strap in, enjoy the show, and without further ado, welcome Carl to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Carl. This is so awesome. Thank you for being down to to come on the podcast. I, I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. My pleasure. Good to be here. So uh, you, uh, obviously, I'm sure uh, your band's pretty big, so everybody knows that you sing in a band called First Blood, but I kind of want to take it back to your early days, how you got into hardcore, and uh, when was it where you guys decided to start First Blood? Oh, man. Where where to start? It's uh, just uh, been kind of quiet these past few months just because of everything that's been happening. But recently I just thought about this. I'm like, man, this time of year, like right now, I was finishing up our, I, I don't know if I was still in the studio or if we just finished up mixing to get, you know, our first album out just to get it out so we can start touring. And that, that was like, 15 years ago, trying to pull off what became California, like our first like full length after we had taken a few years off just to, after we put out a demo and just kind of just 
you know, playing a show here and there. But like to think back, like we started the band in 2002 in San Francisco. I mean, we, it was a bunch of guys. We'd been in other bands around the Bay Area up in Northern California and just uh, things fell apart. And then we were like, a lot of bands were going more metal. And uh, we were just like, no, just keep it simple. Just do something straight up breakdowns, sing about straight edge. You know, I wanted to sing about like veganism and like really like political topics that I thought were like, you know, I was like super into and, and really passionate about at the time. And that's how we started the band. Just, uh, just to do something just raw and fresh. But like, that was the culmination of like all the things we were into, like getting started at like at that point. But like to think back, like getting into hardcore, like in general, is that what you're saying? Like, like the very beginning, the first, the first baby steps or. Yeah. For, for, for like, you personally. Yeah. Cause I'm always just curious where people, uh, you know, start off and how they got into this whole subculture. I mean, I definitely, I guess I got into it like being into metal and thrash, a little bit of grindcore, like, in like in my high school days, I was listening to a lot of like at the time, like Napalm Death and um, of course, like the Slayer and Metallica, Pantera, Testament, like all these just like the big, you know, the big metal bands at the time, like in the mm. early 90s. And, and I think I was like on <laughs> it, it was weird. It was like a summer summer vacation with like a couple friends of mine. We were just like like out east, like in Long Island, where I, where I grew up and some dude like walking down the street like yo man you know hardcore and i was like uh yeah yeah all right you know and he handed us a tape like his demo from like a, it was like a long island hardcore band i can't remember the name of the band i always remembered it for years and years but now i'm telling the story for the first time and i can't remember but that's like that's like right around the time i was like my friends were giving me tapes were like with mad ball and sick of it all and agnostic fun like just overdubs of like stuff like new york hardcore okay. stuff where from where I, yeah, I grew up and this is like long before I moved to, to California. That's awesome. I, um, I, I had no idea that you grew up on Long Island. I, how'd you end up in the, the San Francisco area? Uh, I finished, I finished college in not at the end of 98 and I had a good friend of mine like, yo, just why don't you move to California? Cause I didn't know what I was going to do. I went to school for like business and stuff and, I mean, I just, I didn't, I didn't know. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And he's like, yo, I'd never been out, out of New York so much. I maybe visited some family in like Chicago, but like to go to California growing up in Long Island where you just feel trapped all the time. Like if you grow up in the suburbs out there and I just thought about it for like 10 seconds. I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> Next thing I knew, like a week later, I was in a car just driving across the country with just whatever I could fit in there. Damn. You know, just started a new life out there. So it was like, it just, the whole trip to California was like, was nothing like, you know, like super planned. Like I had no idea what I was going to do, where I was going to live, like, you know, and just everything just, it was like an exciting time in my life. And then, you know, then first blood happened, you know, happened to start like just, you know, like a couple of years after I moved there. So it was like, it was a killer time. <laughs> what a time to be alive at that point. It was, it was, it was so much fun, man. But yeah, you know, those were years ago, almost 20 years ago, 18 years ago. I think we started that band. Yeah. Uh, so the, the demo came out in crazy. 2002. Yeah. Um, 
when I first found out about First Blood, I, I, I felt like you guys were a little more rare. Obviously, I used to play in uh, Terror. I, I feel like the first time I can remember seeing First Blood, it was uh, this crazy show. It was a matinee show uh, in L.A. at this place called The Knitting Factory. It was First Blood, Piece by Piece, Terror, and a couple other bands that I can't remember, but it was like one of like my more favorite shows because it, it it was a matinee show. It started at noon. We got out. Everything wrapped up like around four. And it was just like one of the strangest things because my friends and I left the venue and we lived like two hours east. And normally after a show, we're like, you know, bummed that we have to drive home late. We're all super fucking tired. But after the matinee show, it was like the middle of the day. And we were just so like, you know, kind of confused. Right. Like, Damn, we have like the rest of the day to still do something. This is insane. Like we need more of these. I'm not sure if you remember that that show. It was like forever ago. I think it was like early 2000s. I can't even remember what year it was. 2000. Uh, I think I, I remember the Knitting Factory out there because I remember the Knitting Factory out in New York City. Yeah, it was, it was like yeah, the, they then, had like uh, a chain. Like it was like a couple across the, the the U.S. But then I think they all closed. Yeah, it was. A, it was. A, I remember those matinees. There was like a couple times we had shows like during the day, like around that. It was like maybe 2003 or four or something like that. Like we were just doing shows randomly and if like terror was coming through you know we'd have like just it was i think it was like nick was playing drums at the time so it was basically like terror with just me swapping bass with somebody else mm-hmm. at the moment but yeah that, yeah that was, that was a great show i remember i think and yeah it must have been early 2000s yeah crazy uh, when did you guys decide to actually like take first blood uh to be like a full-time band because i remember uh you know i just mentioned that i I seemed like you guys were a little more rare at that time just like you know playing shows here here and there but then um you eventually left terror and then you guys decided to take the band full-time what was the thought process behind that yeah it it was it was uh, like we had started we put out the demo like early 2002 and that's like right around the time you know i heard of terror putting out that the, the little tape demo they had at the time was four songs like so I was like holy shit like it, it, I mean that that demo blew me away so like I love Buried Alive a ton so when I heard that I was like damn I was like into it right away so it was like it was happening all around the same time like so all I was thinking in my head is like man I want first one to play shows with these guys but like I, I didn't really know any of those guys at the time you know so it's like when they came to, I know they came to Gilman up in Berkeley and I saw, I was like, holy shit. And it was awesome. But, uh, you know, they, they took off right away. Obviously. I mean, it was like a, I mean, they were like a freight train when, when that demo came out and our guitar player, big Doug, like he actually started playing second guitar for them. So first blood was like pretty much on, on the sideburner for like at least a year at that point. You know, and then they, they needed a bass player at the time. So I then I hopped in with them playing bass. So then first blood was definitely like on the, on the side burner for like until about 2005 when I was like, all right, we started the band like three years ago. Like we still don't have like a record out. Like I, this is like, we were so psyched when we put out that demo and all I wanted to do was do more shows with them with first blood and write more music and stuff like that. And, so I, it, it was just, it was just out of like the end of 2005, I think, or middle 2005. Like, uh, it, it was just me just saying to myself, like, I just want to write, I just want to write music in more of this heavy style and like just sing about the things I want to sing about. And 
And it basically just, that's, that's where it all, it all began as far as like, all right, we'll just jump in the studio, let's, let's put out a record. And then we'll just try to get on tour like nonstop. So like 2005. So yeah, like it was probably around this time of year, like end of summer, 15 years ago. Yeah, when we just, you know, just tried to put it all together super quick. I mean, it was, it was rushed, but that was like, you know, that, that's what happened. That was the record. And that's, you know, that's where it started, I guess, as far as like touring and then working our way from there. I've told this story like multiple times on the podcast just because it's like uh, like a special week that I'll never forget. But uh, on that uh, California record release tour, I was on the run for like one week. I, I was doing merch for one of the um, smaller bands, uh, this band called Every Man for Himself. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I was uh, doing merch for them and I did like all the Southern California dates. I think I did like one Arizona date and I did the Las Vegas date. And I was just like me being like 18 uh, and I was like working like a part time job and I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to go. Like I have vacation from work. I'm just going to just do the dates that I can and just try to make the most of it. And it was cool. It was a cool learning experience, but it was also like awesome, you know, getting to see First Blood, Death Before Dishonor, Bloodline Calligraphy, Every Man for Himself, like for like every night for a week straight. It was seriously like super oh, fun, man. and I'll like never forget that. Yeah, I mean, those are cool days for sure, for sure. Like, it, I mean, it was just all we wanted to do was get on the road. You know, all we wanted to, we lived in the van. All we wanted to was just be out all the time. So it was like super exciting, and you know, I mean. It was just a different time, but I mean, you're right. It was, it was, man, it was, it was a crazy time. Like for, uh, I mean, we, we hardly tour the States at all anymore just because like I live out here in Germany and we've had dudes playing, like filling in with just doing mostly shows out here and festivals in Europe, maybe coming back to California or something like that, like once every, I don't know, few years. But like those days back then, you know, doing all these like these smaller venues and just like, I mean, if you if you were on that tour when we played Vegas, I think every time we played Vegas for like a few years, it was just like a fight, like every every time, and like the whole show would be done after like a couple songs. And like, yep, oh, <laughs> we'll see you guys next year or something. I don't know. One of like, but uh, it was a crazy time, a bunch of crazy memories. It was it was cool though to look back. I, I remember that yeah. uh, that Vegas date. I was uh, obviously you know I had to set up merch or whatever, and I was out there you know just doing the the the, the job, just selling merch, uh, you know trying to make the band money. And I remember I went out um, in the middle of your guys' set just to you know see a couple songs. And I remember in between songs, uh, me being like a heckler, I, I yelled "Play Tides." And the <laughs> and I, I was because I also like what's still like one of my favorite songs to this day. And I just remember the guitar player just getting on the mic and he was like, "We already played that one." And everybody's <laughs> everybody just kind of laughed at me. And I'm like, "Damn it! I feel like such an idiot." But it's like I didn't uh, know because I was out there just tr trying to you know do my job, and uh, I, I didn't realize that you guys already played that. But yeah, Vegas uh, is pretty crazy. Uh, they definitely have a, a, a cool scene going. I love what my friends out there, uh, you know, Dustin, Aaron, Albert, Eddie, and all of them are doing for the scene. But yeah, it's, it's always a cool time going out there. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Like our old drummer, Bobby, he's still out there. And it's, uh, you know, I mean, we just, we don't, you know, we just don't do the States so much, you know, so much anymore. But, uh, yeah, Vegas was a good time all the time we come out there. Lots of crazy shit going down, but it was, you know, just, just the memories looking back at the band and like, we just wanted everything to be raw. And, you know, I tried to sing about like serious things and things that most people like, even today, there's a lot of dudes who just don't have no idea. They're like, 
you know, you, it's like, I thought you were some seven foot monster dude talking about fighting all the time. I'm like, no, like I'm a little skinny dude thinking about like being vegan and straight edge and, you know, trying to be like aware of what's going on in the world. And they're like, whoa, dude, I have no idea. Like, you know, so it's like some of these shows would be too crazy. And like, I, I don't blame you for not, not missing the song or missing ties. I mean, when you're playing the same breakdown, like over and over again for, you know, like they all sound the same. You kind of you can get lost in it pretty easy. So I'll forgive you for that one. Thank but you. Uh, <laughs> we come back, we'll, we'll send out ties for you special next time we play California. Thank you. Uh, I promise you. Back then, when you guys decided to go full time, you guys have the record California out and you're on that tour. Do you remember what that uh, felt like? What was it cool to finally, you know, have a, a full length out uh, doing the songs that you wanted to do and, you know, finally being out on the road doing a full U.S. tour? Yeah, I mean, it was it was. Uh, I mean, just like. You, you think about we, we had this like this demo that we just did on our own, like at this. uh a few songs at a time until we had five ready and then we just put out the demo and we, I just, I remember I, I worked as like a, as a web developer at that time and just, you know, I was making, I was supposed to be making sites for like, you know, uh, yeah, I worked at like a training company, like to train other people. But a lot of the time, like, you know, I'd finish my work really quick and then I'd be working on little different Rambo sites just to put the demo out and put the stuff online just so kids can get it and download it and then burn it and just start giving it to other people. We just wanted people to hear it, you know, mm-hmm. but like maybe the whole, the whole Rambo gimmick and then it was just like straight mosh or like straight edge lyrics and stuff like that. It was kind of like, you know, I, I was psyched at the time, like it, kids like latched onto it and it was cool and kids were into it. So I was like, cool, let's just get it out. We were just burning CDs and just giving away to kids at shows and stuff like that. But I mean, that was the vibe for like a couple of years when we just do a show, like one or two shows a year, maybe for like those two or three years after the demo. So like, but to finally get to, you know, to put a CD out and go to like a proper studio and spend some time on it. I remember at the time I was like, I just wanted to, wanted to, I want the production to sound like a machine head. Like if you can make it sound like Davidian or burn my eyes, like I'd be psyched, you know, like just, we try to go to the same studio that like those, you know, the old machine head dudes would go to back, like way back in the day. But like, we just wanted the, <laughs> the record to sound like super like tight and heavy and, you know, just had the guitars and the chug just be crushing and stuff like that. We just, no matter what, we just wanted something to sound like super heavy. And, uh, like it's just being out and it's like just getting in the van and just getting on tour was like, that's all we lived for at the time, you know, like it, it was, it was great. You know, it was like some of the best times, you know, for the band and just, uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of changes over the years and stuff like that. But like to have a record out, it's like, you didn't really, I mean, we didn't, I didn't, you know, you didn't think about the future. You didn't think about the past. You were just kind of living in that moment and just being out on the road and just like, you know, just, just doing what comes next and just trying to connect with other bands and do, you know, just keep, keep the, the train rolling, you know, like it was, it, it was awesome. Like it just, I don't know how else to say it like over and over again, but it was like, you know, it was, it was it was a good time for the band, for sure. You mentioned the the whole Rambo thing. I I'm just curious where that came from, and um, you know, you guys decided to to run with it using samples from the movies. I, I thought it was awesome, like you know, some of those samples right before breakdowns and stuff. I just thought were like epic. So I was just curious where that all came from. <laughs> I don't know. We were just we were putting songs together, and like big. If, if I can just think, like it was just 
me and Big Doug talking, and Doug was just like, "Yo, just name it First Blood." I'm like, "Rambo, we're gonna name it. We're gonna do a Rambo thing here." And he's like, "Yeah." I'm like, yeah, "It's like one of those things you think about for like two or three seconds, and you're like, yeah, all right, sounds good." You know, like maybe you're in the back of your mind, you're thinking like, "What the hell are you guys doing with this whole Rambo thing?" You know, but like as soon as you just put out the record, and it, I mean, we just—I mean, not the record, but it's like demos. You got the sound out, and just like just straight mosh with like pissed off lyrics like you know it's like i don't even think in my head like i didn't even think about this whole rambo you know correlation anymore and then just putting the samples in there just to like give me like little secret hints and like stuff like that that just made it more fun it was like i you know yeah maybe some of the lyrics were like borderline serious but it's like at the same time it was like we're just doing it just to have fun when at the time maybe the band before that we were in we we're trying to take stuff too seriously and focus too much on like playing the right things and you know getting the recordings you know right and doing all that you know like nitpicking other things that didn't you know just didn't matter in the end like we just went out and just did straight up like just heavy stuff like just chug like not rocket science at all but just like have fun with it and, you know and it just came out like a quick you know, just quick little talk like that. And like, you know, I, I grew up, my dad was a, my dad was a Marine. So I had all his, like his old, his old locker filled with like camo stuff and all his, you know, his, his fatigues and everything like that. So like as a kid, I was always wearing camo anyway. And like, you know, going to a lot of shows in Syracuse when I was like going to college, you get people dressed up like they look like they were in a, like some camo SWAT team. So it was like, it was just kind of like a hardcore fashion anyway. And we just took it like overboard going to like army Navy stores on tour, buying like, army helmets and vests and like fake grenades and it was just like it was just like just having fun with the whole thing you know but at the same time like just being a bunch of dudes together who were like you know we were all straight at the time and you know i was super into veganism and you know i still am and i still talk about it and write about it but like it was just this whole sort of like this conviction that's like this militance of like being strong and like with your head and stuff like that and sticking with what the things you're you know, you're, you're growing up with and, and, and you know, and, and not giving up on it. But like, that was like the whole, you know, whole the, the imagery with the whole thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's <laughs> pretty much for, you know, that's where it all came from. Yeah. And I, I feel like it, the, the whole like um, Rambo aspect was awesome. Cause if, if, if you know the movies, you recognize the samples and, and you know how like intense and wild those movies are. I, I think that's cool. And I feel like you guys didn't really lean like too heavy into it to where it became like a gimmick, like kind of like a joke. Uh, you guys just kind of, you know, uh, tapped into it a little bit. And, um, you know, it's like if you understood, cool. And then, uh, yeah, it, when you can you know, dive into like the lyrical content and then, like the music and stuff, it was, uh, you know, super solid. So it wasn't like some weird like joke band. I mean, it depends on who you ask. You know, some people would be like, oh, you guys name you, you guys ripping off Rambo. And I'd be like, oh, and then there's other people who'd be like, be like, oh my god! I heard of this. You ever see this movie called First Blood? Did you guys name it after that? And they're like, I have no idea. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, okay, <laughs> where you been living here? But if I if I can make a uh, an admission, like I actually haven't seen the latest Rambo Five yet. Like I kind of embarrassed uh, to admit that, but it, but uh, it's fine. All the movie theaters out here. I got an excuse. It's like. I had a friend who was like, yo, we got to go see Rambo. I'm like, well, they're going to screen it in English right here. I'm not going to watch it with like German overdubs or whatever like that. He's like, nah, I can't find one that does it in English unless we go to some far movie theater at like midnight or something like that. I'll figure it out. But I still haven't, I still haven't 
you can got my eyeballs on it yet, but okay. I promise you. Maybe I'll write a new record as soon as I see Rambo five, but it's right. on the it's on the on the side for now. So you and this is me trying to figure everything out. So you uh, graduate college, uh, you know, you move out to San Francisco. Uh, first blood starts was there ever any like an initial plan to like you know uh, to you know kind of sh- uh, set up shop get like a, a a job and you know try to just make everything work in san francisco or was it just like hey uh you, you end up moving out there stumbled upon you know the band and things just kind of like you know uh started just like a snowball effect where uh, this wasn't the actual plan when you moved to california but it, it just kind of ended up this way um, I think thinking back, I just think like the biggest thing of it all was, was just like living in the moment. Like I, di- I didn't have any fear of like what I had to do or what happens next or what I needed to do. It's like, mm-hmm. I moved there just with a, with a few friends that had moved there out. You know, I went to school with a few of them like before, you know, like they moved out to California a year before I did. And then I just got out there and. You know, I just went out and met a dude, you know, like who's living with a good friend of mine and he was moving away. I'm like, why are you leaving? He's like, I don't like California anymore. I'm like, what? Are you out of your mind? Like for me, it was like an awesome experience. Like I couldn't wait to get there. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, man, I'm looking for an apartment in San Francisco. It's like, do you know anyone who's got one? He's like, yeah, I'm leaving mine like this weekend. I'm like, really? Like where? He's like in San Francisco downtown. It's like, oh, I'll take it. He's like, you didn't even look at it. I'm like, I don't care. You know, like I just, it just, that fell in the place. I applied for a whole bunch of jobs there. Just like, you know, cause I went to school for business and stuff like that, but I was all about like web design at the time and all the dot com stuff that was popping up like the late nineties, early two thousands. So like, that's what, oh shit. Did we get cut off? Cause I heard some Skyping. Oh, I'm, I'm still here. Yeah. Okay. All right. I heard some tone beeping in the background, but. Um, fuck, where the hell was I? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I, I just started applying for dot com jobs and stuff like that, like in web design and boom, got a job right away doing that. You know, and I was, I was working for like, you know, two years straight. Like I had a good job, was making, you know, good money and like I was still, I mean, I was going to shows sometimes just by myself, just all, I didn't know anybody. Like when I went, out. I just, I didn't know. I just go out and just, you know, um, you know, sick of it all or some big band that I knew would go out. Like I'd just be running around, I, you know, just Kung Fu and people, I didn't know anybody. And like, dude, the throat to the ground. It was just like one of those things where like, I, I didn't plan anything. I didn't plan on meeting people. Right. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know the scene at all in San Francisco. I didn't know. Like I just went there just to, to live and work. And then, then, you know, you just meet some dudes, you start a band, you're in other bands. You know, and then we just, it just all, everything just fell into place. Like nothing was planned. Like we didn't say, we're, we're going to do this. I'm trying to find dudes here. I'm going to move there so we can start this band. It was like, it all just came out of like, just, it was like spontaneous. And that, that for me, it was like an exciting time because I had no worry in my life. I was just like a young kid who just wanted to, you know, just to, to see new things and, you know, and, and do new stuff and like just, you know, of course I loved hardcore and I was going out to shows and then I just eventually I just met, you know, some cool people. And, you know, one thing happened here, we start a band and then we jump on with other bands and then start touring with other bands. And it, it just all came about like that. There was no, like, you know, there was no formula. It just like, that was like the excitement of it all because it just, 
everything just came together and it, and it was cool. Like it's hard to say, like when you get older and you, and, you know, things, you got to take care of more things and be more responsible. It's like, yeah, it's definitely way different. But at the time it was just, uh, you know, it may be because I was like, just at a, you know, at a school working hard and all I wanted to do was play shows more than just sitting in an office all day. So, you know, there was that element to it, but like, um, I, I, I don't know how else to explain it, man. It was just, it was just a good time when you just live for the music and you live for that feeling of just like, you know, like that, that rush you get from, you know, from screaming, you know, screaming words all night or, you know, running around and just being out with other bands and, you know, just going apeshit for them when they're playing. It was just, it was, it was a great time. It was a great time in my life. And like, I think a lot of kids who were like into the bands at the time, like that whole, that whole era before, like the internet really blew up. Like that was, uh, I mean, it, it was just an amazing time. I mean, probably relate to it in some ways, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's uh, cool how things just kind of came together and you were just kind of just like being free out there in San Francisco and didn't really have a plan. I think sometimes uh, you just got to try to I feel like sometimes you just got to enjoy life and just kind of take things as they come. Like especially like when you're younger and you don't have as many responsibilities, I guess, you know, you got to kind of take those uh, or cherish that time and uh, just try to do what you can. Um, yeah man it's so easy to say now you know it's, it's easy to say like when you when you get older like definitely stuff like stuff piles up and stuff you know you know like you know god i want to go into like i was reading an interview about some like comedians who are like how they got started in comedy and like they look back and they always met that dude in high school who made them laugh or something like that and then 20 years later they go to their high school reunion and they see the guy who's just old and jaded and probably hasn't really let out one of those like belly laughs in like 15 years you know it's like so like life definitely like beats down on a whole bunch of people but i think hardcore and you know this whole kind of subculture just you can just go out and do things you know at shows with friends in you know in these tiny venues in the middle of nowhere that you can't really experience like in other parts of life of normal everyday life, especially when you're like trapped in an office or trapped in a job you hate or you, you know, you're not, you don't like school or you don't like your parents or your living situation or something like that. Like hardcore at the time for me was like a huge escape from all that stuff because it was like such a release that you just didn't get, you know, from like the things that you have to deal with in everyday life. Yeah, you no, know, I, I, I totally wish that, that feeling was still there, you know, to be honest, because it's like, you know, the older you get, it's like, it's, you know, you have to deal with a lot more things that it's, it's not as easy to stay in that pocket anymore. But, you know, I'm glad I got to experience that. You know, I, it's cool to see so many younger kids who are still in that bug. They're still looking for that, you know? Yeah, I, I feel like uh, hardcore. Uh, when you look at the, um, the the youth aspect of it, I feel like the um, younger kids coming into hardcore. I feel like they're like a really important part of the scene because they're the ones who are uh, going to be the ones to keep it going. Because uh, you think about the older generation, a lot of people get jaded or um, you know responsibilities pile up, so they're not able to be as active. Uh, so I, I always look at the younger kids. I'm like, dude, like you guys are the ones who. Uh, are going to be here after us so you know you gotta uh, keep it going you gotta book shows start a zine start a band start a record label something uh, just do anything to to keep this going because uh sometimes people like i I feel like 
take it for granted and just kind of assume that uh, hardcore is always going to be here. But it's like uh, it's only going to be here if people are still putting in the effort to, uh, you know, keeping the scene alive, starting bands, because, um, you know, it could easily just disappear if uh, people give up. Because I've seen smaller scenes kind of, you know, fade out like where I grew up in the Palm Springs area. Uh, there's not a whole lot going on out there like there used to be. So uh, it, it definitely can happen. So I, I think that the, the younger kids coming into it, or just getting into it, it's like they're just really important uh, part of the scene. It, it's definitely a challenge, man, because there's so many things you got to deal with, like, you know, venues and just like just the, the, the maintenance of keeping up like places where kids can go and listen to music and bands can play without cops or neighbors or laws or anything like that, that like shuts this kind of like this kind of subculture down. When you think about it, it's like just the, the, the difficulty in trying to, to build something like that and then maintain it is like, yeah, there's a lot of. A lot of barriers to it, but you know, a lot of people do it well and it keeps going and it keeps going, but you know, you got to hand it to people who can keep like, you know, communities together like that, especially nowadays when it seems like there's so many reasons for people to be split apart. Like people are eating each other up. Like it's to have something built where people can come together and actually be free and be, you know, like have a release somehow, learn how to play an instrument or learn how to, you know, to, 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 to write music or be involved in something other than like, you know, like, you know, you know, just getting into drugs or something or doing something like, you know, harmful, like being like, just being productive is like, it's just to build something where people can be involved and stuff like that. It's like, that that's what music was for me as a kid. Like I, you know, like, you know, when you think about it, like all the, you know, a lot of friends I grew up with who didn't finish school or they got into drugs and, you know, and they, they just, they, they didn't have like a good path to go along with. They, they were just kind of, you know, think about the potential that got wasted, like in that life. Just, it's just, that's just the way the cards fell, you know, but like for music, for me, like my dad was real strict with me getting me into music. Like I started with classical music as a kid because that's what he loved, you know, so he pushed me with that. But that also gave me the discipline to like, all right, I want to learn instruments. So I would do that. And then when I got into metal, like forget about it. It was like all over. My dad hated it. But for me, it was like a huge thing to be involved with. Cause that's like stuff I look forward to. And then when, when you blend that in with like the whole, the community of hardcore music. And for me, like at the time, like earth crisis and, you know, Path of resistance and those kind of style bands, like in that, in that like mid nineties era where it was like, it was more than just, like some mosh music thing. It was like these, these were people who were like united for like a cause. So like all that put together, man, that's like, that's what got me, you know, that's what got me trapped. That got me into it. You know, that got me hooked, you know, to be involved in hardcore. And it's like, it's, you know, to think back now, it's like, damn, it's pretty, it's like, how did I make it this far? Like with so many things going on in life that like, you know, it seems to always drag you down, but like this, this kind of music and then, you know, the, the people you meet from it, you still, you know, still, it's still hard to walk away from it. You just, you just want to keep moving and keep having hope with it to like, you know, to, to find a better place. Just whatever that place is, like mentally or, you know, physically, like where you are, like surrounded with people, like I'm here, you know, in a good place now. And I think it all came together because of music. You know, I wouldn't have met my, my girl, you know, and here in Berlin, Kitty, if you're listening to this right now, whenever this comes out, what's up? Because like, you know, like this, this is like, it all, you know, it all came together eventually as far as like the, the people, 
and the places you end up. And I think music and hardcore music was like a huge thing for me to, you know, to meet those right people and, and to look back and be like, yeah, this is, I'm thankful for all of this, you know? Yeah. But it, it, I'm it, just it, straying off, but I'm sure a I'm lot fine. of people can relate, man. Like the people they meet and all the stuff that's built up, it's, it's those kids who build up these hardcore scenes and communities and all this stuff like that, that like, you know, gives people a path and something to look forward to. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. I feel like that's exactly like why I'm here. When I, I look back to when I discovered hardcore, like my older sister showed me a couple bands. And after that, it was just like off to the races. Uh, but at that time, I was like a freshman in high school trying to you know find my way. I, I didn't really have any friends. I felt like a loser because I liked because I liked anime and video games. And at the time, it wasn't cool to to be into that stuff. So, uh, you know, I people would just kind of think I'm a weirdo because I, I would wear like anime t-shirts and like random band t-shirts but I was like whatever this is like what I'm into like I, I'm never gonna not be into the things that I like just because it's not cool and I was like if I have to sacrifice being a loser uh, well like a quote-unquote loser I'm like I don't care that's fine like I'll just figure it out somehow but then stumble upon hardcore uh, meet a bunch of kids that are into the same music and you know eventually like the same things that I'm into and it's just like it definitely changed my life because you think about that was back in like 2002 uh, when I was a freshman in high school and here we are in 2020 and I'm still um, into it. I feel like I'm deeper in it now that I'm doing this podcast, like, you know, reaching out and talking to people on like a personal level. It's just like, you know, when I got into it, I just like, well, I felt like this thing is something that I actually love. And since then, like this thing, like it's never faded. I, I've, I've never stopped listening to hardcore music. I've never like, you know, uh, stopped going to shows. It's just something that's been a part of my life since then. And I don't think I'll ever, uh, you know, give it up or just walk away from it. I, I, I don't think I could, uh, you know, look at myself and see how that's like a possibility just because it's just like so important to me. Yeah, man. I mean, I, but it's easy when you say like how kids are worried when they're younger, like, oh man, someone's going to think I'm a nerd or like, you know, a loser or not cool. It's like, yeah, it's, it's hard to believe now looking back like that, you know, that, yeah, maybe I was worried about that at the time or so many kids at that time and that age are just worried about fitting in. But like, just to think about how, just how life works when you get older and it's like, man, you should just never care about what other people think uh -huh. like you know i mean if, if you love this and you're into it i mean i feel like that's important for someone to be proud of like you know like anime or whatever you into it like man it's like kids are like way into that stuff like and, it, and it's in kids like i feel like when they find something that they love like it man none of that matters what kids have to deal with you know as far as those pressures right now because when they get older it's like man they're going to look back and be like, man, I did cool shit when I was a kid. And uh, a lot of these people, when they get older, they're doing shit that they hate, you know, they, or they're into nothing. You know, they have no joy. They have no release or no any sort of like passion at all. They just kind of live and grind. And I think that's far worse than being embarrassed about what you're into when you're younger. So, you know, <laughs> Yeah, it's just a crazy thing to think back, like the pressures as a kid. But man, hardcore can give people that thing where they don't have to, you know, they can just be proud of what they're into and what they are and not have to deal with like, you know, whatever society thinks they need to be, you know, you know, following and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So California's out and fast forward to 2010, you guys release your next record, Silence is Betrayal. Which, yeah, hang on a second. I oh. think my uh, I think my headphones dying. Over there. I gotta turn okay. it. So let me put another. Okay, cool. All right, sorry about that. Oh, no, it's all good. 
Um, okay, so uh, fast forward to 2010, you guys put out Silence's Betrayal. I, I think that uh, album title is like pretty interesting. Can you talk about why you guys decided to name the record that? Uh, I mean, it's definitely after the Martin Luther King speech. Like for me, I California was like, yeah, I was way into political stuff. People would mostly call it conspiracy stuff, but it was basically anything that like questioned like whatever mainstream stories you hear on TV and news and stuff like that about, you know, the wars at the time or the, any kind of financial crisis, anything, anything like politically related back then was like, if you question what was going on in the news, it was like, you're just into conspiracy, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's no different than what's going on today. But, you know, for me, it's like, I was way against, you know, still am like, for me, like that title was against, was against war, just like the whole, idea of all the money and resources spent in in domination just you know the whole act of war and all the people all the casualties of that for me that was that was the biggest platform for me on that album you know and just uh i think at the time i was you know i mean i'm still i I definitely you know i follow everything that's going on every day like super close I, I listen to a lot of like what people call like these political analysts and stuff like that talking about all the stuff that's going on with current events but at the time like i i didn't you know i didn't i didn't know how to follow all these people what i what i would do is like i was listening to tons of podcasts or public speeches and stuff like that about everything with the iraq war or afghanistan or 9 11 you know all the conflicts in the middle east and i i, I would that's how I, you know, I, that's how I shaped my opinion about all this stuff. And then I, I wanted to write music about that because I, for me, it felt like I was like, man, I grew up most of my life not questioning any of this kind of stuff. Like if you just hear something on the news, it had to be true. That's, that's like the idea that I had in my head. And uh, it definitely took like the direction of the band and like a weird spin because like, you know, when the band started, it was like, yeah, it was more like a f- more like it, it was tongue-in-cheek kind of rambo theme slash hardcore slash mosh straight edge okay tough guy this and that but there was this fun california vibe to the band like going down that route with sounds of betrayal was definitely like a you know it, it was definitely like a fun hater kind of vibe like it was all serious and but that was just like the shit i was into you know i was just like way into that and i for me it was like you know i wrote all the lyrics so i'm like this is what i want the record to be about and this is this is what it's going to be you know and that it was, it was pretty much me just writing and recording most of that record anyway so it was like i that's what i did with it i took it that way because like at the time when i you know i was writing some of the songs with with other dudes like they didn't have any ideas really like they weren't they had no platform like they wanted to name the first record california so i was like all right i just wanted to get the record done i didn't care about naming it or artwork or imagery or anything like that like this next record sounds of betrayal was way i was like all right i want to i want to take a serious vibe with this kind of shit because you know i just got to get all this shit off my chest and uh and i guess a lot of people like were turned off by it you know they were like this is not cool it's not fun anymore it's like so serious it's like it sounds so different now it's like metal there's like so much stuff going on like and uh i can understand that you know but for me it's like my head was like scatterbrained i was writing riffs that were like going all over the place and tempo changes everywhere and you know it was just like it was hard to follow even when i listened back to that record now i was like man what the hell is i thinking like everything is like scattered but on the flip side like there's definitely kids who come up to me like man i never 
like that record was like a turning point for me because I never sat back and wanted to really question or really get into finding out like why things happen in the world and and why it's worth questioning what you hear on the news or when you hear politicians platform all on the same thing about something you got to maybe get a little suspicious about why all these people are saying the same thing when there's all these other people who are saying another thing and you know it, it definitely like some people say yeah, it definitely like made me you know open my eyes to a whole bunch of stuff so i guess that's cool in a way yeah for sure like but you know like the challenge was trying to find the balance between the two because a lot of people just want to go and you know they want to listen to music and see shit that's fun and release and stuff like that. Maybe they don't want to get overdriven, like with shit that makes them feel like they're in school again or something like that. But you know, that that's, that's just what it is. That's what it became. And that's hard to believe that that record came out 10 years ago. Like I guess around, you know, a couple months, I think is when it actually came out in 2010. But you know, that was like the middle ages. That's what I call whenever we play shows live. Like, what do you, let's do some middle ages songs right now. This is from like the, the weird dark period, you know, where, uh, you know, where it was just like conspiracy central and all shit like that. But, you know, that's just where it went. And I don't know, like, I don't know what, like kids were in the first record, what they think about it. But like, you know, I guess I'm glad it's, it's out there, but I don't think I would want to go down that route again because it was, I want to try to like empower people and make people think positively about what stuff can go on and with how they can change. And, you know, and strengthen themselves rather than like create a record that sounds like you're just complaining about shit all the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I definitely um, hear you on that. Uh, what, what, just want a couple of things. Uh, when you said when you're writing the record, uh, people were turned off. Were you speaking about uh, your bandmates at the time? I mean, I think none of the dudes were really into that kind of stuff. So it was like, you know, I mean, they they didn't. I don't think any of the dudes who like. No one else was really writing on the record except our guitar, other guitar player at the time. Mm-hmm. And maybe we would like vibe a little bit on like some of the, the topics about it. But like it was it was mostly me who was like way into all the like all the lyrics and stuff like that. It was just it was just my all the you know, all the conspiracy shit in my own head, you know. So it was like I don't think any of those dudes have, like if if it wasn't for me right any writing like that angle or that approach to that record, like you know, there, there wouldn't have been another record, I don't think, at the time. And it definitely probably wouldn't have been something that was, like, more on this, like, serious vibe, serious political vibe, like that record was. But, uh... When I look at that yeah, record... I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. It was just... Uh, that was just my my vibe at the time, you know? I'm glad I got it out of the system, but, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, for me, it was, like, super important to write about this kind of stuff because I feel it was like so destructive in the world, you know, it's like, I mean, you got to think about this is like the years of like post nine 11 and the Iraq war and all these soldiers coming back saying all the fucked up shit they saw. And they couldn't understand why they were there and why all these people were dying. So it was like, for me, I was like super passionate about that, you know, but you know, there's fucked up shit going on on the world all the time. And it's fucking sad. But, uh, you know, like I said, the challenge is trying to come out with like how you, what you can control and what you can't control and what you can do with your own life to try and like, you know, try to live separately from all this like disaster. But that's always going to be the big challenge, no matter what you write about. Yeah. When I look at the record, I, I, I kind of just, uh, the, the sound you mentioned was like, you know, a bunch of tempo changes and kind of all over the place. I, uh, 
looked at it and I was like, okay, th- this band is obviously wants to you know, grow their sound. They don't want to put out the same record twice, you know, because sometimes you go back to the same well, people get bored and, you know, uh, kind of get over it. But I, I was uh, definitely into the record. It was uh, cool to be able to kind of just like read into the lyrics and uh, trying to learn about the topics and things that you wanted to talk about. And it, it did seem a little dark, but I was like, okay, cool. Maybe this is just the, the vibe they wanted to go with for the record. So I definitely wasn't mad at it. I mean, it, it was definitely a cool take. I, <laughs> I still like that you guys, uh, you know, use samples. I, I always think that's like a, a an awesome thing that you guys do. Yeah, it was like a year alone probably spent just getting all the samples like organized for that record. I remember it took me like a year just to record all the vocals because I was spending so much time on changing stuff. It would probably take me like a month per song finally until like I finally got all the vocal tracks done because I was like tracking all those vocals like pretty much on my laptop at the time just because the studio was like, dude, you're taking so long. <laughs> you might as well just do this on your own, <laughs> oh, wow. you know, or else you'll never get done here. So it was it was such a weird time with everything like pretty much that record probably taught me how to get into like audio production. Cause I ended up like having to learn how to do it myself just to get that, get those lyrics done because no studio would have the patience for me to sit there all day, you know, just to finish like maybe three lines in a song and realize that you got like another, you know, four minutes of music left to cover. It was just like a weird time. It was such, such a weird time, man. But, uh, was there, uh, what was there ever any point where you were just, uh, just fed up with the record and realizing it wasn't it was taking too long and you just wanted to give up and just scrap the whole thing and maybe just call it yeah for sure there's so many times i mean i was i mean it took so long just to even try and write it like, like i remember the first time we were supposed to be in the studio to, to record like you know i was talking to a label at the time and i was like dude like i'm supposed to be in the studio today and like i don't have i don't have anything demoed out i have a million ideas but i couldn't do it and the studio was pissed off. They're like, you could realize I had this whole month blocked off. And now it's, you know, I was like, fuck, I, I just couldn't get the things that were in my head out on, on recording or on demos or anything like that. I don't know. Something just flipped. I moved down to Tijuana for a while and lived down on the beach and didn't talk to anybody for like months, you know? And if, all of a sudden I just came back and I just had like this record in my head and I had it all demoed out. Like, you know, all whatever, 16 tracks is all demoed out already. So when it came down to recording, it was basically just playing along to the demos to get the final, the final guitars and the final drums, everything. Like it, it just, it took so long to do that. I don't, I don't know why it just, it was, it was just maybe because like I was thinking of so many dark things and it, it was, it, it was mentally challenging. I don't know why. I mean, I, I guess I can still write it now cause I'm trying to write music now, but it's like, it's with all the stuff going on with, everything locked down and people struggling with work and life and everything. It's like, man, it's hard to, it's hard to focus on something that'll uplift people, you know, and just be constructive about it when you're just trying dealing with your own challenges every day. It's like, how can you possibly put this into music and get it all, say it, say it. I guess the problem is trying to say something you want to say, like the way you want it to be communicated in its final form. Like you're always looking for the right words or the right, you know, the right hook or the right just way to scream this one thing that gets your point across. And it's just, it was just a challenge that I couldn't just think of the right thing and just, and settle with it. Like I was always thinking I could do it better or, or I can say it more eloquently or something. I don't know, but there was just too much thought in that record. Um, But at least I didn't feel like I was rushed, you know, like it took seven years to put it out or something like that, but no, four years. What am I saying? It took four years to get that out, but it was like, I'm glad 
you know, all that time was spent because I feel like, you know, no matter how else I did it after that, at least I, I felt like, okay, I said what I need to say. It's done. That's it. It's done. You know, I'm, I'm just curious. You mentioned you went down to Tijuana for a bit. What uh, sparked that idea? And did you just like shack up in like a, like a hotel or did you get like an Airbnb? <laughs> no, I mean like a, like my, my dude, Renee, he books all, whenever we did Mexico tours, like he, he, he booked all our tours down there, all our shows. And he lived in Tijuana and he had a house down on the, down on a playas, like down on the beach. And he's like, and like, you know, I mean, we were touring all as much as we can before that to the point where it was like just waiting for the next tour, waiting for the next tour. So it was like, you know, it definitely wasn't a glamorous life. Like, being on tour for a while and all you just ended it just ended up where i was like just homeless basically waiting for that next tour and i was living in my car or living in the van even after a tour was over we do a whole tour and we were sleeping in the van every night or maybe get a hotel every now and then just to, to really fucking spoil ourselves only to be like when you get home you still i'm still like just sleeping in the van every night by the beach just just to keep the you know, just to keep the, 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 the show on the road kind of thing. Like I, for me, it's like, I didn't want to settle down and get a job and try to get committed to an apartment again to where I'd have to like, you know, then it would screw up with the momentum and all stuff. Like I just wanted to write a record, but then like all the stuff just kept piling on to the point where I, I couldn't like concentrate. I couldn't actually focus on anything. That, that's another reason why it took so long to get that record out is because like my head was all, it was just a scatterbrain. And going down to Tijuana when a dude hits me up, it's like, yo, I need a roommate. You want to move out here? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, it was cheap. It was an escape. I wasn't hooked to a phone at all because I didn't have any internet or phone service. It was kind of like a, a liberating moment in my life to just like really just sit and walk the beach every day, you know, for months. And it really changes your perspective on so many things. And maybe that's why I was able to, to finally calm down and like get some more music together. But that was all part of the whole dark period of that, that album, you know? Because, you know, finally when that record came out, that's when I ended up leaving California and I moved to, you know, I moved to Europe like right after that record came out. So then I've been in, I've been in Sweden and now I'm in Germany. I've been out of the country for about 10 years now. So now, I mean, of course that brought its own other set of challenges, but at that moment, I was just the beginning. You know, I mean, it sounds like a dark time, but it's just, you know, I was just the beginning of like another journey. So trying to write another album now, it's, you know, it's the, all this stuff just keeps repeating, but you know, I'm still trying, still, still sticking with it in some way or, or another, you know, mm-hmm. damn. So you're in Tijuana. Do you remember um, what it was that pushed you to, to come back to the States to, to, to leave Tijuana? <laughs> I think I remember seeing Rambo four. I mean, I'm a, straight up like it's, sounds like a stupid thing but like i saw that and it just kind of kicked kicked me in the ass to be like dude just fucking get back and finish this so i said you know i mean i came back and i was like couch surfing for like another few months after that when i was going to the studio just to finish it and get the record out and finally the record just came out and i was out again you know it was it's hard to look back and think like like it everything was there was no plan, man. It just, everything just happened. You know, I was putting everything, every energy I had into trying to, to, to get all the lyrics and the music together for that next record. But to say it right, because I really wanted this record, it was like an important thing for me to talk about the things that were, you know, on that album. 
And I think, you know, with all the stuff that was happening now, kids were kept going back to that and being like, man, this album was 10 years ago, but it sounds like you wrote it about right now. And it's like, well, I don't feel any different now than I did back then with that record. But all it is is just that the, all the actors changed, you know? I mean, it's still a lot of the same turmoil. But, you know, maybe if I stayed in Tijuana, none of this would have happened. I would have just been down there just living on a beach and chilling out and, who knows, you know, life could have been, could have been really cool and just chill. But, you know, like I say, like you're, you're still in the hardcore now and it's just like one of those things that you just, you just want to stick with. And if you got that itch to, to write that record or write that point of view, like that's what I, in my head, that's what I, I, I couldn't let go of that. And, you know, and it's, it's, you know, there's probably room for one more right now, you know? So it's like, it's still, you know, with all the stuff going on now, that's the challenge now, trying to survive during this and then still try to write something that, like, people can relate to in a way that doesn't bring them down, you know, or make them pick a side because that's the last thing I want to do is have people, like, you know, picking one side and fighting the other and then the other side picks this side and they're fighting the other people. And it's, man, it just, it's this constant tug of war that I've, how do you find a solution to that, you know? Like, what's the answer <laughs> What's, what, what do you think about everything going on nowadays? Like, what, what, like, of course, people are divided, but what's the solution? Like, you ask 10 people, they're all going to have 10 different answers, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely feel on that. Uh, I want to build up to that. Um, but you put out Silence of Betrayal, and you mentioned that you left the country again. Uh, when you decided to leave, did you uh, think about, like, the fate of the band um, or uh, you know, what you're going to do when you, you, you go to this new country? Mm, no, not really. Um, you know, I started seeing a girl that ended up being my, my wife. And, uh, you know, my son was born like a, less than a year later. Like, you know, that, that new life happened really quick. But, you know, we had dudes from the U.S. flying out to do mostly tours in Europe anyway. Because like it just by that point in the band, like going and doing the summer like festival circuit across Europe was like pretty much the steady thing. Like it was just like the plan of every year, you know, every, every, pretty much June through the end of August was blocked off for a festival. So at that point, like dudes were just flying out. So I wasn't worried about like, you know, the fate of the band at all. Like it was like it just became like that. That was the rhythm. Mm -hmm. Whoa. You still there? You there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I heard something going on. I thought you got cut off. Okay. So no, man, I wasn't. It was. Uh, it was just all it was. It's just a new place and a new personal life. But as far as the band, like that was still that was my focus. Still, you know, especially with the new record that had just come out. Like that was the time to start pushing it. Mm -hmm. You know, so the, that was definitely we went way hard in Europe. You know, even since then, but mostly in Europe. I think only in the states we only. Since then, we've done only a, like a few full U.S. tours in that that whole time period. So it, all it saw was like the shift for the band to become more like headquartered out in Europe because that's where most of the shows, most of the tours and festivals were all going to be at that point in the band. And to this point now, that's, that's all it is. You know, the main booking agencies out here and, you know, in Germany, and that's where most of the festivals and the shows and all the stuff for the band are. You know, and it's only rarely that we come out to the States again to, um, just to do mostly nostalgic stuff like California stuff or like first record demo stuff. Like I feel like the like Silence of Betrayal and even like the latest record, 
you know, it's not something that a lot of kids in the States like have latched onto compared to like Europe where I feel it's like the other way around. We have like a lot of more younger kids that were into the, like the newer stuff and they don't know the first record so much. So, you know, it's just balance again. That's another, that's just a challenge that just keeps going on in so many different, so many different aspects of the band. Yeah. I, I think that is weird um, that uh, the, fan base here in the states or you know the current climate of hardcore uh, uh you know you're traveling out here to, to play the older stuff and the the, the newer stuff's not really um you know uh in tune which uh, strikes me to be really weird because I, I was actually talking to, to a buddy i was hanging out with yesterday I, I had mentioned to him that uh i was gonna have you on the podcast and he was like oh he's like uh, what was the last record they put out and i told him that you guys put out a record in 2017 and he was like surprised and I was just like, what? Like, how do you not know that First Blood put out a record in 2017? <laughs> and it's just like, I, I feel like when Sounds of Betrayal came out, you guys uh, are obviously, you know, already a full time band. Uh, I, I feel like you guys got like bigger and your fan base just grew. And I, I, I got, and it's just, I, I feel like sometimes when like bands just get um, bigger, they sometimes like outgrow hardcore and kids just, you know, kind of just let them go and kind of forget that they exist. And, you know, they love the, the records that they knew, but then they just kind of don't really continue and follow up with what the band is still doing. So um, uh, I, I feel like that's kind of what happened to you guys out here, which I think is really strange because when I look at your discography, you know, from uh, the demo, uh, to California, Sounds of Betrayal, and even to the new record rules, I I still feel like everything holds up. Um, I mean, it's just yeah, it's just this. Uh, for me, it's like I just my head, my mentality has been so geared towards like, you know, all from from set lists to like where we're playing. It's like just the kids out here are, are way in tune with the stuff that's coming out recently. So there's like sounds weird but like so many kids it's it's weird to to meet younger kids that be like man your latest record got me into hardcore and i'll just be blown away I'm like whoa mm-hmm. it's like the complete opposite of like kids are like all right they got into california and then maybe dropped off after the second record and then they just didn't know he existed anymore partly because never tour there don't live there and then like you know just by that point you know the new record was maybe off their radar at all you know it's it's hard to explain. I don't know. It's, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't have an explanation for it at all, but I can totally understand why, you know, a lot of older kids just had no idea like about the newer stuff that came out. I, I just don't know the reason for it, mm-hmm. but you know, maybe they'll check it. I mean, if trying to been working on another one for like the past like year and a half, but I've had to like, I don't know. I just don't like everything's rough right now, especially with like, rehearsal studios or like trying to come up with just in personal life just trying to have the free time mentally to, to put to a record like i don't even know how you know new bands are putting out stuff to get kids into it now because it's it's just a weird time now but you know i, uh, I, I feel like uh like in this current climate it's like a, a lot of like word of mouth so like you know kids like obviously like if their friends are in a band and they got something new coming out like 
the whole you know friend group will you know push it on social media and i feel like that's like the way to do it because it's like all right cool it's like if like you know these kids are putting out new music like let's just try to have all of our friends push it and then you know their friends and friends of friends and i feel like that's like the easiest way to, to get things spread and obviously um, and the, the the access to it like i feel like if it's on like it has to be on like every platform so because it's weird people listen to the stuff like in a million different places like I, i've had people like you know hit me up um like when i used to uh in like in the early days of this like you know people would like hit me up and ask me why it's not on spotify or why it isn't it on youtube and i'm like oh like i had no idea people cared enough to want it on those platforms so eventually i just uh, <laughs> you know try my best to put it out everywhere but um yeah i feel like that's just the the, the best way these days it's just like you know the, the the kids who are just involved like kind of like grassroots stuff is just like you know working hard and just trying to spread it and you know trying to get kids to, to just click on the link and just check out the music yeah that i mean it's i think it's always it's always been like that but now it's like it's there's all these tools that like kind of organize stuff together like you know, back in the demo days, we were, I was you know I was burning, trying to burn like thirty or four CDs every day, mm-hmm. just so by the end of the week, if we had a show coming up, I had like a hundred I can give out or something like that, just to kids at shows. Like that was that was our word of mouth back then. Like now it's like a link to uh, you know the Spotify and Bandcamp and stuff like that or wherever else they. But like emailing an MP3 to somebody right now seems to be like almost like you know, like a dinosaur age kind of thing to do. But that's kind of what we were doing when we first started this, like getting the music out there for free and just trying to spread the word. But I mean, just it just it's the same same concept, just it's it's different nowadays. But at the same time when you're in you're in the sea of stuff like, yeah, we have a record that's out on Spotify that just came out twenty seventeen, but there's also like eight million other records that came out. And okay. uh you know, maybe I could have done a better job of trying to like, hey, man, our new record's out on this. Like, try to keep that, you know, like that word of mouth and that buzz going. But, you know, it's it's also being older and having, you know, other things in life going on where it's like it's maybe you try to rely on some other people to help you, you know, push promo and stuff like that, you know, for, for new music. But it, it all to me comes down to like, you know, the people you know and the people you're tight with, you know, to try and spread the word, you know. Oh, yeah. But no, uh, I, I definitely get that. I feel like these days I have like, uh, and I, I probably sound like a dick, but I feel like these days I have like way more respect for the kids, um, you know, who are outside the, the the show getting out and handing out their physical demo. Because I feel like back in the day I would find that annoying. So I'm just like, oh, I'm tired. I want to go home. Like, fine, I'll take it. But I, I probably wouldn't check it out. But now, if that were to happen, I'm like, damn, this person actually took the time to put their shit on a CD. You know, come out to the show and wait and just like you know have like a real interaction and like hand it to me and want me to check out like the, the stuff. So I'm just like. I feel like these days I, I like will actually take the time to check it out versus back in the day where I was like younger and just a, a, like a little more ignorant. I just wouldn't even care. That's yeah. There's that's a lot of respect for that because I, I feel like as the years have gone on, like I, you know, when tours over, like I would just want to be home and just hide and just like lay low for a while. Especially now, that's all I wanted to do was just like it's kind of a, a blessing like that that all this stuff shut down at least it, just in my own little world because it's like. I needed some time to just be away, mm-hmm. you know, but when kids are like, when kids, when things are normal and they're in a world where like almost everything's at your digital, like fingertips, like to be out at a show and showing your face with your demos and like interacting with people, that's like, man, that's like a super rarity. And that just shows that these dudes are hungry. 
you know, or these people really want to get their music out and they're really into like what they're doing, you know, and they're putting that elbow grease, like, you know, like they got their their boots on the ground, like doing it, you know? So yeah, of course that's like, you know, I lately in like the past couple of years, like when, you know, some local bands would give you a demo, I'd actually, I'd actually, I'd actually listen to it more now than like, it's hard when you just get a link because it's just like, there's like a different sort of like attachment to it when you can meet someone that's cool and they, they click with you and it's like, Hey man, like I wrote this song because this song you wrote made me think about this something differently. And it's like, there's that connection you get from meeting somebody and talking about something that they're thinking about than just, you know, than just having like another link to something. But I mean, I, I can understand it too, where like, you know, you can't be everywhere all the time, you know, and there's kids who just can't where they live is so much different or maybe they live in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> You know, so they can't get out until, like, be in the middle of, like, some big scene where they can hand out demos, too. That's another challenge, too, you know? Kids live in the middle of nowhere, but, like, man, I get what you're saying, you know? Like, it's just that when you meet somebody, man, it just makes it stick all the much more to, like, to pay attention maybe to what they're doing, you know, and check it out. Because it's (laughs) a lot of stuff's getting lost with so much stuff that's flying around nowadays. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, I I try my best to... uh keep up with music going on because you know I, I see it all the time on twitter instagram you know new bands popping up uh even current bands dropping new records like uh, as a couple i think like a couple of episodes ago I, I had on this guy his name's claudius he plays in a band called tides uh tides denied from germany and they'd been around since like 2015 and like i just found out about them and i'm just like I, you know i was like what the hell i was tripping out because i was like how's this band been around you know putting out music and it just went over my head and I, I stumbled upon them because I was like listening to like a compilation uh, of bands from like a, a, like all around the world. And there's some bands from the States that I was checking out and I, I stumbled upon yeah. them and I was just tripping out like, dude, this is like crazy that a, a band that I think is, uh, you know, doing good music has been around for that long. And I just had no idea. I was just in the dark. So it, it just trips me out. And uh, it, it just reminds me like, you know, things can just go unnoticed because there are so many you know people doing it and it's just so easy to uh, put things out there these days that yeah um, you can easily just like you know get lost in the sea of uh, you know people putting out music yeah you got me curious right now because you you, you kind of get into this zone where you're playing a lot of the same you know a lot of the same cities and you get to see like a lot of the same bands and it's hard to i mean you feel like you get kind of like in this little pocket but uh tides and i'll you know what city they're from germany they're in uh-huh. Like I'm definitely gonna check them out just because you told me to, or you're you're bringing it up like man I can't believe I've never heard of these guys. Now you made me my curiosity be like all right I gotta check these guys out. Uh, hold on, let me pull up their Bandcamp so I can uh, see if they actually because I uh, I think they just label it uh, yeah on their Bandcamp uh, they just have Germany I I, I don't know exactly where <laughs> where about but they're on this record label called uh, I think Farewell Records from out there I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with. Oh that. yeah yeah for sure yeah okay yeah so um yeah farewell records uh check out tides denied and there's another band called stolen mind i'm not sure if you've heard of them they're from germany too awesome band yeah all right yeah okay but uh okay so we're out of the um the, what you call it, the, the the middle ages for the silence of the trail <laughs> um but uh rules I, I i feel like this record um obviously there was like a uh a gap in between the records coming out but i feel like when i listen to rules i, I feel like i'm reading the lyrics and just the, the vibe of the record i feel like you're trying to like uh, like put people on like give them um you know uh information to um, help them you know better themselves or you know just try to see things more clearly uh, am i off by feeling that way 
Um, I definitely wanted people to reconsider, like at the if you want to go to the lowest common denominator, like or the 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 most general motive of the record was just like to look at all the rules of how we live our life, mm-hmm. and 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 just and just see like uh like just 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 take a look at it and be like man why do we follow the things that we do and the, the way that you know why do we do things this way and it's just a uh, part of it just because that's how you grew up and that's what the world tells you you know and then you always you know you, you never question the people who break the rules or you know they make their own rules it, it's just like it was this whole like tongue-in-cheek kind of thing that just uh there's definitely like a serious vibe to it for sure. Like, but I tried to make it a little, I don't know, more lighthearted, I guess. Like I have my kid beginning in the, you know, he sees before he could even speak English, he was like, I would teach him how to yell first blood rules just so I can have that as the intro mm-hmm. of the record, you know? Mm-hmm. But I definitely wanted it to have like a, a lighter vibe. But at the same time, it's like, I sing, a, you know, I, I still keep the serious vibe about like, Hey, you know, time to think about why the fuck we do these things in life and, and how like it affects like just generation after generation. Like, you know, and that's the only thing you can do just by maybe listening to the angle I take with it. And like, there's no like specific prescription I give to people like, all right, look at this and then look at this and then think this way and then think that way. It's like, I'm not trying to do that. You know I mean? People got to decide for themselves what they want to do, you know, and hopefully it doesn't hurt themselves or other people in the process. But um, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, I just, if you, one of these dudes that didn't realize we put out a record in the last like three years, like maybe check it out and, you know, and you'll, you'll maybe see what I mean. But, you know, if not, then, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it just comes off as, you know, a record where I say rules about a million times, you know, that's what it boils down to. But, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, well, what 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 are you trying to push with this with this i guess this is like the we're past the middle ages now like uh what what would we call this this era right now the new ages the new age the modern age uh we can go modern age yeah, cuz i feel like uh you know everything that you speak on we're, we're kind of uh, you know trying to dissect everything that's going on in the world so i i think that's fair okay all right uh, question um, is uh, rules of conviction is, is that a straight edge song for sure i mean it's just like um like I, I mean the thing that got me most hooked on like this sort of like this noble cause was like vegan straight edge was a huge part of my life like when you think about outside of the mosh and the show and the live sound and the sweat and the dirt of like all these venues it's like living my life outside of like a show or the hardcore scene it's like veganism and straight edge and being sober and being more conscious of like what i eat where it comes from and how it affects the planet and, and animals and everything else like that was the biggest thing for me like when i think of like the personal aspects of my life like outside of like actually going to shows and being involved in like music and stuff like that and that sh- that that song was like a tribute to that um and just basically saying like the just like the rules of conviction it's like no one's gonna take you seriously if you if all these people break it's like it just always seems like this direct relationship between like the amount of years that go by and then the amount of people who give up on the things that they say they would defend for the rest of their life you know it's like the rules of conviction are, are only valid if people actually you know stick with their 
you know, they 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 stand by what they believe, and you know, like that whole cliche. But it, it's true. It's like, um, definitely a straight edge song. That's for sure. Like, I guess there's people who take it differently for some reason. But like, I even, I mean, there's Carl Earth Crisis <laughs> giving his little uh, cameo in the middle in that little sample. But like, uh, that was a tribute to like, you know, bands and that message of like, you know, being, you know, just just staying with it you know like don't don't give up on that and like don't try to numb yourself to like a shitty world just because like uh, you don't know how else to deal with it so like if anything people can get out of that it's just 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 try and you know tough it out and keep your chin up you know and, and keep your mind free and clear so you're not like you know just you know numbing yourself down and, and find yourself just giving up you know, like, I don't think that accomplishes anything. It's not maybe not going to solve your problems, but like, you know, it'll at least keep you in maybe a more focused and positive direction, if that's a good way to put it. Okay. I, I'm delaying into that. Uh, for this record, you guys uh, uh, teamed up with uh, Pure Noise Records, uh, which I think is awesome. I feel like they uh, have a pretty solid roster. Uh, can you talk about how you guys decided to uh, sign with them? Um. I mean, I don't, I don't have a really close relationship with the label or, or with Jake, like, you know, currently, like I just, it, it all came about like, um, like Jesse from stick to your guns was like a huge thing to make that record happen. Like he, he hit me up in the middle of nowhere. Just, he said, yo, you've been trying to write this record for what, five years now. It finally came out seven years after the other one, after silence. He's the one who said like, I got this, you know, pure noise, like Jake has he's seen you guys when you were just starting out he was at your shows in berkeley like when you guys started out so he's actually like you know he's in tune with the band he he likes what you do like let's let's do a record and jesse organized all that stuff you know so i just i just flew out to new york and wrote wrote that record in uh with will putney like in that graphic nature studio out in jersey and spent a month there or a little bit over a month just putting that all together just from basically almost from scratch i had like maybe one or two songs like final before i even walked into place but um pure noise like backing that whole thing and believing in the band and like basically making it happen at that you know at that studio with dudes who know how to make it you know it sound big and modern and heavy and like i have to you know I have to hand it to them and be thankful that they, you know, they believed enough to put, you know, put a band like us out there, like not a bigger band, especially when they have like a lot of more, I guess when like more pop punk, like more commercially like successful bands, like bigger bands with bigger followings. But he, you know, he gave a shot to us like this, you know, like a, like a smaller, like hardcore, like just straight, you know, just raging out kind of band. Like, like, you know, like he made that happen and like, that's why, you know, I, I definitely have to respect them for that and giving us a chance. But uh, it all just, you know, I was like another one of these things that wasn't planned. It was just spontaneous. It was like one of those things where I, I get a call and I'm just talking with, with you know, with Jesse and we're just talking about life and stuff like that. And, you know, a couple weeks later, you know, we're making it happen and, you know, just, just grinding it out, just getting all those ideas that have been trapped in my head for I don't know how many years and just putting it out on, on a recording. So nothing, no formula with that one. That was just all like, all right, just fucking do it. Was put the, just just. I got some pretty big news for you guys. Oh. 
what is going on here? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Sorry, my phone was on and it started playing like YouTube videos that are random. And oh, no, it's all good. Shit. Sorry about that. Oh, no, it's all good. Um, damn, that's crazy. I, did, did he ever tell you what what sparked um, him to call you and it kind of set this whole thing in motion? I don't even, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think back now. Like he... I guess Jesse, he was working with bands, trying to get into the whole management thing, the management game. And he was like looking for bands to work with and getting bands at the studio and all this and that. And he was tight with Pure Noise because Stick Your Guns was putting stuff on Pure Noise. And he's like, I guess he was kind of like being like a like a rep for them, like just trying to like, you know, just what bands can we put out? Or I, I, I don't I mean, I don't know. I don't know. He just. He brought the name up. He brought the idea up, and Pure Noise was down with it. And you know, and Jesse and you know, and Jake, they made it all happen. So, like, I, honestly, like, I didn't handle any of the all the logistics or the business or any like with any of the recordings and stuff like that. I didn't handle any of that label stuff. I don't really talk that kind of uh, you know that business with because I you know they just as long as it you know, we can be in a studio recording and stuff happens. Like I'm happy with it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm definitely happy with how it came out as far as like the, you know, production and everything. It was cool. It was like a, it was a good experience, you know, it was a challenge too. Cause it was like, you know, Jesse was like on my case, you, dude, you got to get lyrics down. Come on, get this shit done. Like he was pushing and pushing and pushing and like, you know, otherwise it wouldn't have happened, you know, cause it's just like, I overthink and to the point where like would have been 10 years before another record came out or something like that. But, you know, he made it happen. So I'm definitely thankful for that. But, uh, <laughs> and was it uh, crucial for you to fly back to the States t- to do the record? There wasn't like a possibility to get it done, uh, from where you were at. I mean, I, I could have, I mean, I was actually working at like a youth center that had a studio where I ended up finishing like half of the vocals anyway, like after the, all the tracking was done. Mm-hmm. But for me to sit down and, you know, and actually write everything, it's like you, you mean, you hear about people who are like, who write books, like authors or novelists, they like, you know, sometimes they rent a cabin in the mountains for like six months and then they come back with a whole book written, you know, it's like one of those things like I, I can't, you know, I was going through a divorce at the time and, you know, like, and, and that was like a huge strain on my life. And then, you know, I was trying to spend as much time as I could with my son on the weekends, you know, with personal life stuff and then work life stuff. And then imagine trying to like write a record in the midst of all that. It was like, it was just difficult to, to find any sort of like calm and productive, peaceful area to work in to do that kind of stuff. So just, you know, just flying to somewhere strange, I think it's Belleville, New Jersey. There was not much around there. Like being in the studio, they have like bunk beds where like a bunch of bands, like international bands would fly in there to do their recordings. And, you know, they they had kind of sort of like this little boarding house in the studio. And I kind of warned, I was like, man, I take a long time to do so. I'm sorry, man, I'm trying. We didn't end up tracking until I think about four weeks into being there, four or five weeks. And he's saying, well, how long can I be here to finish? It's like, you can be here as long as you want. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, you can be here as long as you want, like as long as much time as you need. But he then he says, like, but trust me, like, believe me, like, you're not going to want to be here. Like, once you start hitting, like, the way we do, the, the current pace you're at right now, you, you trust me, you're going to get to the point where you're not going to want to be here. And it's crazy because, like, <laughs> that, that town you're in and, like, 
by that studio. There's like literally nothing. There's like a Kmart there that feels like you're trapped in the 70s. And uh, there was like a Chinese food restaurant. That's it. There was like nothing in there. So it's like it's basically the perfect place to be writing a record because it's like you just want to get out of there and get back to, you know, back to like civilization. I wanted, you know, I miss my kid and I want to be back in the comfort of like my own bed and like my own, you know, my own space. So sometimes you just need to be out in this place that's just weird and secluded and uncomfortable just so it forces you to work. You know, I was just in a control room with uh, just like studio monitors and like everything I needed, like guitars and everything, just to just to write and just slam it out. And then there's nothing else to do. It's like you just know other distractions or entertainment. It's just there to work, get that record done and get out of there. So that was like a I wouldn't I, I remember dreading it like I fell asleep on the plane. I was like, I don't even, I was scared to fly at the time. Cause I was like, fuck, I hate flying and this plane crashes. At least I don't have to, you know, I don't have to write a record, you know, just thinking silly shit like that. But you know, it all, it all came together just because it's like when you're forced to do something, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a, I wouldn't say force, but it's like, it was a great opportunity just to be in a place where all you do is just get the music done. And then, and then, uh, and be happy once it's done you know it's like i don't know how else to put it it's just it was a weird situation but it was like man it was it was awesome just to be able to push like that and just get it done just crank it out now you got me thinking if that kmart is still there today because it's oh my God. so strange to think about kmart's that's wild um Dude, it, not only kmart but this kmart looked like it was like the same interior as the 70s it had like a like the, the main the main attraction, like when you go through the cash register at the front, none of them was like these like scan cash registers that you see at like Target or something like that. It was like super old school. And there was like a, you know, like when you go to, you know, Del Taco or something like that. And you, when you get a drink and it has like those soda fountains, you just fill your own cup. Like yeah. at this Kmart that like, that was like, the, I was like, oh, we got this fountain machine for fountain beverages. And I was like, what, what, is this 1977? Or something like that, like modern technology from like the 70s. It was, oh, dude, it was wild. I mean, I wonder if it is still there. I don't know how everything took a dip with the shutdowns. But like even in like 2015 when I was there recording, it was like, man, that it was far behind the times. But I mean, that's a little town. It was like that's just the personality of it there. You know, I'll never forget it. So now I'm curious you're out in Germany. Uh, how long has it or how you adjusted to being in that country um and do you like like it out there do you ever miss the united states do you ever think about coming back or are you just gonna be uh you know outside for a while Mm, hard to say i mean uh i've been pretty much living in a country for the past 10 years where i just don't understand most of anything that's going on every day you know, it's you think about what the toll it takes on your 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 brain when you're just constantly surrounded. Like I I just never been good with learning other languages, but for me it's like like I, I can remember coming back to when I was on the subway from JFK, like back in the states again to do to on the way to the studio for to do the recording for rules and like actually hearing people yelling at each other on the subway and you can understand all their arguments and all their drama. And all their bullshit. I was like, "Fuck!" 
this is something I don't miss about being home. Like in Sweden at the time, these people yelling at each other in Swedish, but I didn't know what they were saying. So at least their problems weren't my problems because I didn't understand them anymore. You know, so it's like that's just one way to look at this whole experience of being overseas for me, at least, is that I sort of like shut down my brain to a lot of my surroundings as far as like, you know, like it's it's sad. You know, I, I wish as a younger kid I, I spent more time learning another language, at least training my brain to be open to that, to that kind of skill. But um, as far as the reality of it, I, I love it out here, <laughs> to be honest. You know, like Berlin's a very international city. There's so many people of from everywhere and everyone speaks English. So it's like, it, for me, it's not a difficulty to communicate at all. Sweden was a little rough. You know, I would try to speak Swedish with my son and then out in public places with him. And then people would just start speaking English to me in a condescending way because they realized I couldn't speak Swedish. But <laughs> I mean, you know, I tried, you know, but it's it's just a different vibe ever since touring out here. You just, you just, it's hard to really explain unless you spend some time out here. Like this, like the, the culture is just different. The vibe is different. If there's like one basic example I can give it to is like whenever I fly back to the States, which is kind of rare, like maybe once every couple of years or something like that, you feel like when you land at an airport in like LAX or New York city, and as soon as you walk out, you feel like you're living in like a huge advertisement, like there's billboards and, you feel like just people trying to sell your shit everywhere. It just feels like you're living in like with banner ads flying around everywhere. Whereas maybe I feel like that's a little bit less in Europe. It's like a different, it's just a different vibe like that. I don't feel like it's as, as intense out here. Like when you first early tours we've done when you're out here and you, you realize you can't go at, to a restaurant or stop somewhere because there's people who do this like siesta where they close down everything from like, 12 to three every day or something like that. I remember like our first shows in Italy or something like that, or was it Spain? I can't even remember where everything was just shut. And we just had to wait just to get gas for the van because we had to wait for stuff to open up again. It's like, man, they don't do this. It's like, can you imagine like telling your boss, like in the States, Hey, I'm going to shut down for two hours. Everyone's just going to go out and chill and relax and take the time off. And then we open up again at three or something like that. Like that cultural kind of like uh norm in certain places out here, it is way different than the intensity of how fast life was and, California especially like when I was when I was leaving there it was like it was just too fast I was over the speed of it and like you're down in SoCal right like in near Anaheim right like like yeah I'm, I'm like <laughs> near Disneyland yeah so you you know the traffic and the, the the runaround of like I mean I have friends down in like in, in LA like trying to get anywhere just to go see him it took you an hour at least anywhere to get through the traffic and like that for me I mean just talking about me like I mean there's people my friends like they'll never leave California. That's their home. That's their spot. But for me, I couldn't handle it. You know, I couldn't. I couldn't take it any. The, the the speed of life, and I feel like here it's like a little more relaxed. I, you know, I, I never drive. I walk or take the subway whenever I need to get anywhere. It's just like a completely different frame of mind, and I, I, I'd rather enjoy that more than the way I was living when I was still in the states. Like, you know, just driving everywhere caught up in the speed being there being there always having to be somewhere and it was like i, I didn't want to live like that anymore yeah it, it definitely can uh, take a toll like I, I sometimes think about leaving because it's like uh the cost of living in california especially southern california right now is just uh you know wild and uh, oh my god i don't want to imagine yeah so sometimes it just seems like it's like out of control and then i 
you know, look at other places like uh, across the country that seem like way more affordable. But I'm like, OK, like, but what I really enjoy my time out there, because I'm like a huge fan of like Disneyland. Like maybe I've like, you know, uh, I've been taken over by the the corporation, but I just love it. And I, that's why, like, I'm here in Orange <laughs> County, because I just love um, being so close to the park. And I, I, I've, I've thought about leaving numerous times, but it's just like uh, honestly, like a big reason why I, I, I probably won't leave is like like my family they all like live in the palm springs area which is nice like they're all just kind of located in that one area so they're not too far they're not uh, too far from where i'm at right now um they're like uh, like two hours away so if, if i like moved anywhere else it would just be like you know super far so i just don't know if i could uh, you know find joy in uh, just living in another state or uh, just like another area no i feel you i mean that's a good reason to stay if you're tied with your family and it's like and you have that, then uh, that's a good reason to stay. You know, there's really no reason to go, you know, unless you start watching weird conspiracy documentaries about the next big earthquake in California, which my dad used to always warn me about. But I mean, who knows? Who knows, my man? Yeah. Live in a good spot. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm just more concerned about uh, aliens in space these days because <laughs> I think about uh like the like uh you know problems in the world and, and i'm always curious like you know like if i could peel back like the veil and find out like what's really going on behind everything because uh you know i i sometimes do feel like things are uh pre-planned and things are being controlled uh but i took like, you know whatever i was like I, I just gotta just try to find joy and to do things that, that i feel are important and uh, you know try to have a positive impact and uh, do my best to try to shape the world and try to change things for the better and uh, you know just try to do my part but uh, yeah I, I just find myself thinking about aliens all the time <laughs> <laughs> which is just so crazy yeah, to I mean, think about it comes down to things you can control and things you can't you yeah. know there's people who spend their lives trying to figure out all these unknowns the, the, the endless search for truth and stuff like that and there's it's just you know I just realized there's this thing there's there's things you'll never know and never understand like we'll just never be able to control the only thing you can control in the end is like the choices you make as your own person. Like that's the only thing you control, you know? And it's like what you want to be, you know, whose rules you want to follow. And, you know, and that's the only thing you're, you're really like the, you're in the driver's seat for. But yeah, I mean, then you see a lot of people are just always just hung up in what's trying to figure this out and figure that, you know, like, dude, you got to look into this and look into this and like, well, let's say we did find this out. Like, how are you going to change it? You can't, I mean, some things you can, some things you can't, but I mean, you guys could got to find that balance of what you can control and what, you know, what's just like completely like, you know, I mean, I guess if Mars was going to invade earth and they had this intergalactic army that's like, could never be uh, overcome. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm just talking straight bullshit right now, but I mean, obviously there's things you just, whatever shit's going to happen. It's going to happen. If it can't, then, you know, got to make the best of what you got and where you're at now. Just, you know, there's no, there's no secret. All right. Uh, you, you briefly mentioned that you were working on, uh, you know, the, the next record. Uh, and obviously, uh, you know, things are, uh, you know, weird in the world right now. Are, are we going to have to wait another seven years for the next record or will it come out sooner than that? You think? I don't know. I mean, I was really close to having like a whole concept down, like, you know, even by the beginning of this year, like I've been demoing a whole bunch of stuff and, um, 
I've been demoing a bunch of stuff for Downset, like in, in LA, like just tons of stuff. I was being super productive with a whole bunch of things. And then with, you know, first of all, it took a weird thing after rules. Like when that whole record cycle ended, it became like a really weird situation again where it was just doing, you know, it was just like a, a it just became dark again for me. So I felt like this next record was going to be dark and I warned about it, but like, I, you know, when I kind of snap out of it, I'm like, that's not, that's not what I want to be the legacy to be known as some dark, you know, depressing, not even like inspirational in the slightest kind of thing. It's like, sometimes like, even if I don't feel it, like I, I have to overcompensate by trying to write about things that I wish I could have the strength and, power to control in my own personal life and at least leave people thinking that there's hope and there's ways that they can they can get through this all because yeah right now it's it's fucking crazy and it seems like one complete disaster after another that that i don't i mean this is going to be some year that people will never forget as far as all these things happening all at the same time that I think for me it's like a good idea to 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 wait it out. Like I don't want to write a record that's complaining about everything that's happening or pointing fingers or trying to like pit people against one another and pick a side and and just engage in this game where people are just hating on each other like back and forth or like questioning this or tormenting someone for believing that when they should be believing this or that or whatever. Like you know, we've been a you know, this, or this band, this name, this this formation of it's been around for, you know, a little over eighteen years now, and I figure twenty twenty one is still going to be a kind of a a messy year. I think a lot of things are going to be uncertain, but like, come twenty twenty two, that's going to be like the twenty year anniversary of the band. Like that's when I really fully expect to have like, you know, probably what I would think would maybe the last album that I would put all my effort into you know the last kind of like this is all the things we've seen from you know from the beginning of it like you know how i felt being much younger 20 years ago and like my what got me excited and psyched and then be able to see how my my own personal opinions have changed you know not only about just like the dreams you have and your aspirations and then the energy you have to put into certain things but like how you view the world and how you can find that next step in life and, and, uh, you know, approach it in a way that's like, you know, that's, that's rational and, and smart about it and not, you know, I mean, just being a little bit more focused and open to all the ideas that exist in the world right now. So if you really want to make it a place that where people, you know, where people get along and people feel like in unison somehow, you know, right now it's a, it's a weird time. And I, it's hard for me to, to focus on a way to like write a record that like, can inspire people because shit's just it's too crazy right now for me it's quite honestly it's like depressing and a lot of people are hungry to get back at shows and you know get back on tour and for me it's honestly like i feel the exact opposite you know it's it's to 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 be away from this for a while is sort of like a healing thing for me personally like i don't want to be you know and i don't want to be out and then try to make something happen in the middle of this you know but yeah 2022 20 years that would be a good year i think to have you know you know the, the final hurrah in, in my opinion all right that's uh you know a, 
I'm like stoked to 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 hear that, but it also makes me kind of sad too. It's like, damn, I, you know, obviously I, I've been a fan of the band for a really long time, and for you to kind of uh, you know want to put a stamp on it, uh, you know, at the 20 year mark, it's uh, you know sad, but uh, you know kind of cool at the same time. Uh, but I'm, I'm definitely you know stoked that uh, you're at least going to do that because you know sometimes uh, I, I I I always try to uh, appreciate bands when they're around because sometimes bands will just up and quit overnight and you know that's it uh, the last time you saw them you didn't even know that was going to be it so uh yeah. so it's, it's definitely been a, a fun ride I, I like i said earlier i feel like the the discography is solid it still holds up in my opinion so i'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that uh, you know next release from you guys yeah thanks man you know i mean it's been a long run it's been a long time and it's cool that we were able to share like a lot of the same sort of memories and the same vibe from like you know a really cool time at hardcore you know and then it's, i think it's it's cool to see a lot of the younger kids now who feel that same like that same excitement you know it's their time now you know like they're they're going through the things that we went through like years ago and it's you know i mean there's always going to be this hunger for it and that that's just cool to see you know that's cool to see but you know at the same time it's like we're getting older i'm getting older for you know and the way i think about the world is definitely changing and it's like it's definitely has to you know i gotta you know, there's a lot more to fix in the world than just uh making sure the van's running and uh you know you got the right you right gear to get on tour like i have to you know i feel like the energy put into this kind of stuff i need to to put into a lot a lot of other things in life too so but you know i'll definitely always be you know feeling this and then that energy and that vibe so I hope we go out with, a, with this latest one. All I right. heard another noise again. Uh, was that you g- gone? No, no, no. I'm still here. Uh, I, I I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, yeah, I was rambling anyway, man. I heard it sounded like my phone was getting like a like a disconnection. But anyway, I don't know. Maybe you can edit that out or something like that. But that's all. We'll probably just leave it in. But um, uh, but yeah. But seriously, uh, I I I, I want to thank you for taking the time. Obviously, we're in like way different time zones. I I, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to sit here and talk with me. Uh, I, I definitely appreciate it. And I I just want to you know uh, give you a chance. If there's anything you want to shout out or plug before we sign off, uh, you know, now's the time. <laughs> I don't know. It's past my bedtime, man. It's like super late out here. But I, I appreciate you reaching out and stuff like that. It was good to talk about some good times, you know, that we, you know, we were able to both witness at the same time, you know, like reminisce on some old thoughts of the band that I haven't really had in memory for like quite a while. But uh, it's also cool that you're doing this. You're doing a podcast and, and keeping involved and interacting with a whole bunch of bands, of kids that are doing this stuff nowadays, like right now, you know, with all their energy and all their excitement about it. That's, that's a cool thing that you're, you're documenting and getting out to kids and stuff like that. So it's cool. And I appreciate you asking me to, you know, to talk about some stuff about, you know, about the band and stuff like that. And we'll see what happens coming up. I got nothing to self plug or any kind of shameless self promotion kind of stuff, but I just, you know, I hope kids get through everything that's going on right now, you know, in life, they're doing okay with uh, all the turmoil and all the stuff that we're all aware of, you know, and they're just, you know, that they feel safe and secure and I hope the best for everybody. That's all I can say, you know? All right. Well, seriously, thank you again. And thank you to everybody that tuned in. This has been another episode of the Jamie K podcast. Always on top.